0: This is Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 9. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. whether he is a slave or free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him.
1: Well, hello, Oikos family. It is so good uh, to be with you uh, this evening as we're gonna just worship the Lord and study God's word together. And, um, wow, well, we are so excited to be back in Birmingham. I'm here in the cafe uh, with Kayla, who's behind the camera, and um, ah, it is so good to, uh, to be back as, as soon as we walked into the cafe uh, this afternoon, we're just like, ah, it just feels good to be home. Uh, we were supposed to be gone for six months, and six months turned into almost nine months for loads of different reasons. Um, thank you so much for your prayers for our family, for your words of encouragement while we were away. And uh, man, we just can't wait till we can all be together again and see one another in person. And we're just trusting uh, that the Lord's going to do that really soon. And so, yeah, again, thank you for your prayers and encouragement for us while we were away. And uh, it is good to be back in, uh, in Erdington. In fact, when we're done here, we're going to go walk around the co-op just because we can. So, uh, it is good to be back uh, with you, Oikos family. Uh, we're continuing through the book of Ephesians. And if you remember, uh, Ephesians breaks down into two sections. Uh, the first section of Ephesians is about how you and I, as people who love and follow Jesus, how we relate to Him, how we relate to God. And then the second part, Uh, of the book of Ephesians is about how we as people who love and follow Jesus, how we relate to one another, how we relate to the world around us, how we relate in our families, in the workplace, in in schools, wherever we might be, how we relate to one another. And so um, uh, we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. And so I want to invite you to turn there, Ephesians chapter 6. Beginning of verse 1, and we're going to continue looking at how we relate to one another uh, in the home, and then we're going to see how that's an extension then into the workplace. And so um, as, as God has done a new work, as we're filled with uh, the Holy Spirit, and we're going to look at, look at that in just a moment. But as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we, we have a new respect for one another. Um, you know, respect is something that we, we can look around and, and realize that a lot of people don't treat one another with respect. Uh, a lot of people don't know what that word means anymore. And what we're going to see today is that, that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're able to treat one another with respect. We're able to treat one another with loving kindness and patience and mercy. And, and we're able to love one another the way Jesus loves us. And so when we're filled with the Spirit, we, we have this ability to, to respect and love one another in a way that honors the Lord. And so again, uh, I want to invite you to look at Ephesians chapter 6. and We're going to begin in verse 1. The Apostle Paul uh, writes this. He says children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth fathers do not exasperate your children instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord slaves Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not people because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Let's pray together. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we just love you and Uh, We just thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you that when we are filled with your Holy Spirit, that we are transformed, that we are changed, and that we can uh, love one another and respect one another and serve one another in a way, Lord, that honors you and honors your church. And so, Lord, we just pray in these next few moments as we study your word. Lord, we ask that by your Holy Spirit that you would uh, open our minds and give us understanding. Lord, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would soften our hearts, that we might hear your word and be changed by it. And so speak to us now, your people, we humbly ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, We want to kind of pivot back to where we were a few weeks ago, and, and that is this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit Now, if you'll remember a couple of weeks ago, we saw that uh, chapter 5, verse 18, is a key verse in the book of Ephesians. And if you'll remember, it says this, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And and we spent some time looking at how this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is key to, to doing the will of God to being the people that God has called us to be. And if I remember, I think I used the example of a battery that uh, the, the car we had in America, we went out to go on a, a family fun day and, and the car battery was dead. And just this idea that spiritually, uh, we, we run on batteries, you might say, and, and we have to be charged up. We have to be filled, charged with the Holy Spirit. And so uh, Ephesians 5.18, is critical because what he's going to say is this. Remember, he's going to say, so this is how husbands are to live. This is how wives are to live, parents, children, employers, employees. He's going to get into all these relational dynamics. But the key, the key is verse 18, chapter 5. Be filled with the Holy Spirit because we can't be the people God has called us to be. I can't be the husband God has called me to be, the father, the employer, uh, the employee, the the, the community member, I, I can't be that person unless I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, because in my flesh, I, I, I'm not loving, I'm, I'm not patient, I'm, I'm not kind, that's not who I am in my flesh, and, and so it has to be Jesus alive in me, uh, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and so if you remember, this is our working definition of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, this is the definition, To be filled with the Holy Spirit is the ongoing process of daily being conformed and controlled by the Spirit of Jesus. Now, look again, the ongoing process. We're we're doing this continually till till the day that that the Lord takes us to heaven. we're, We're continually in this process of daily being conformed and controlled by the Spirit of Jesus, so conformed means that that the Holy Spirit is changing who I am, and hopefully, uh, as as John the Baptist said, you know, he said, uh, Jesus must increase and I must decrease, and so to be conformed means hopefully that there's less of Kenny and more of Jesus, and then to be controlled, it simply means he leads me and guides me and directs me and, and helps me. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit is this daily being conformed and controlled by the Spirit of Jesus. Now, we're just going to see simply four truths of transformation relationally that happen when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're all in the home. Um, we've, we've seen the role of husbands and wives in the home. and Now we want to see the role of parents, children. And masters and servants. And so, uh, four simple truths. uh, Let's look at them together. Number one, we see this that when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm empowered to obey and honor my parents. Uh, Number one, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm empowered to obey and honor my parents. Notice what he says there in verses one through three Paul says, Children, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Uh, Paul says, When when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I have the power to obey and honor my parents. And those are two key words uh, there in, in verses one through three obey and honor. Um, And and here's the definitions. Remember, this was originally written in Greek. um, And and sometimes the Greek is a little richer than the English. um, uh, A little more clear, you might say. And so uh, here's what the word obey and the word honor means. The word obey there in the Greek literally means to continually listen and conform to instruction. To continually listen and conform to instruction. And so this is important. The word obedience in the Greek is what's called present active. In other words, it's something you continually do. And so you are continually listening and continually conforming. And so uh, to obey, we have to first hear what the instruction is, and then we have to act upon the instruction we've been given. Right? And so, if, if someone gives us a command, if someone gives us an instruction, we have to hear it and then we have to carry it out. And so, it, maybe you're uh, walking your kids to school in the morning, and maybe they're running up ahead with their friends, and you know that you're coming to an intersection. And, and so, you tell your, your son or your daughter, stop, stop. And so, uh, in, in order for them to stop, they have to hear what you said. And then they have to do what? They have to conform to the instruction. In other words, they have to hear, stop, and then they have to do the very thing you're instructing them to do, which is to stop. That's the word obedience. And so uh, for for us as children, uh, we are to continually listen to our parents' instruction and conform to their instruction. Uh, and then there's a, a second word here, and it's the word honor. And in the, in the Greek, it, it literally means to esteem is valuable. To esteem is valuable. To, to consider something uh, valuable. You know, the, the way we treat something that's valuable is probably very different from the way we treat something that's not valuable. If, if, if you hand me a paper cup, um, uh, the way I hold the paper cup, where I sit the cup, how I dispose of the cup is gonna be very different than if you hand me an antique vase that's worth thousands of pounds. Now, the way I handle that's gonna be very different. Why? Because I esteem it as valuable. I'm careful with it. I kind of picture holding a newborn baby. Boy, when, when, when you're holding a newborn baby, Oh, the way you hold that baby, you hold it tight and secure and, and make sure the baby's safe in your arms. You, you don't just kind of hold it by ankle. Uh, no, its ankle. No, it's valuable and precious. And so you're very careful with that baby. And, and so the word honor means to esteem is valuable. And so uh, the Bible is saying this, that when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I have the power, the ability to listen to instructions given by my parents to follow through on those instructions and to treat them as valuable. Now, um, a couple of questions might come to mind. First of all, we might think, well, what if my parents aren't believers? What if if my parents aren't Christians? Well, um, uh, I don't believe as we look at this text that this is necessarily given just to um, uh, those who have Christian parents. Um, I I did not grow up in a Christian home, and so uh, I I became a Christian at the age of 17, and I was the only believer in my family for years and years and years. Um, And and so, uh, did I still need to obey and honor my parents? And the answer is yes, um, for a couple of reasons. First of all is, um, uh, I believe the Bible teaches God has innately put um, the ability for, for parents, for mothers and fathers, to love and care for their children. Now listen, we, we know that the, the news always has horrific stories about parents who have neglected their children and chosen to harm their children, and that, that is a result of sinfulness. But what we see in scripture is when a parent does that, and I, I think Romans chapter 1 even alludes to this, it goes against the very nature, the very created order that God has made. Um, you, you don't have to convince a mother to love her baby. Like, it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. You, you don't have to convince that mother to love that baby. Um, God has created the world in such an order that it is in that mother. And so, so again, when, when a parent chooses to harm or neglect a child, it, it actually goes against the common grace that God has placed in them. And so uh, I say that to say that that, um, uh, I know a lot of parents who um, from just the standpoint of uh, not harming their children, they're good parents. They just don't know the Lord. And so spiritually, they're not bringing up their their child uh, the way the Bible wants them to, but do they love their child? Do they care for their child? Of course they do. When, when they tell their child to stop and not cross the road, it's every bit as, as much of uh, an act of love as it is when a Christian parent does. And, and so uh, what I realized was that, that, you know what, even if my parents weren't Christians, even if your parents aren't Christians, we need to obey them. Uh, but also we need to honor them. We need to honor them. And, and what I discovered is this. In fact, um, maybe you're the only Christian, your parents are not. One of the best testimonies you can have for your parents, one of the best gospel witnesses you can have is obeying them and honoring them. Um, Obeying them and honoring them is is a testimony. It's an evangelistic tool that God has given you. Um, Second question is this. um, So what if my parents ask me to do something that's wrong? Or what if my parents are harming me do I have to obey them and honor them? And I believe that the clear teaching of scripture is no. Um, so I, I want to make sure that's really clear that, that if, if you have a parent or an adult in your life and they are harming you and they are hurting you, um, if, if, if you, you have been or are being abused physically, emotionally, um, I, I don't believe this means you have to stay in fact, I believe it honors God for you to get help and for you to get out of that situation. So I want to make sure that we understand that. Um, and so, again, that, that that is not what Paul has in mind here. So Paul is not saying you have to do whatever your parents say End of discussion. I think the Bible is pretty clear that if, if a parent is harming a child, that that, that child uh, needs to get help. It needs to be protected Um, And and also, if we're ever instructed to do things that go against the Word of God, then it's more important to honor the Scripture than it is to honor a person. And so um, I know those are common questions, and so I I hope that helps. Now, here's the thing. I think for 99.9% of most of us, our trouble listening and obeying is not because we have bad parents. It's because we don't really want to do what they're telling us to do, right? Can we be honest? And so it's usually like a typical teenager. It's not like, oh, my parents, they're asking me to rob a bank. No, it's probably like they're telling me to do my homework, right? And, and so um, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to, to obey. Sometimes maybe we think mom and dad are a little old-fashioned or they're a little out of touch. But here's the thing. Uh, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can do it. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can hear what our mom or our dad our grandparents, whoever care for us, we can hear what they're saying. And even when we're like, I really don't want to do that, but you know what? I'm going to do it because I I value them and it honors them. And uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit, I can do it. All right. So uh, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm empowered to obey and honor my parents. But then he says this. Secondly, uh, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm empowered to lovingly lead my children. When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm empowered to lovingly lead my children. Look at verse 4. He says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so first he says, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can be children who listen and follow and honor uh, our, our, our mom or dad or nan or grandpa, whoever it might be. But secondly, he then talks to us as parents and, and specifically fathers. And he says, uh, fathers, uh, look what he says, verse four, fathers do not pro- provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Um, and he uses four key, uh, three key words here. And let's, Again, let's see what they mean uh, as as we kind of unpack them. The three words are provoke, discipline, and instruction. Excuse me. And so he says, first of all, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And that word provoke means to rouse to wrath. To rouse to wrath. It's it's the idea of kicking a hornet's nest right? Maybe you go past a hornet's nest, a, a, a beehive. The bees aren't bothering you and they're just going about their business. And, uh, and what happens if you kick the, the beehive? If, if you throw a rock at the hornet's nest, what's it going to do? It's going to stir them to wrath and you're probably going to get what? Probably going to get stung. It's going to stir them to wrath and, uh, and then it's going to have ramifications for you and for them, right? That's the picture of rousing to wrath. It's 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 kicking a dog. It's it's kicking a hornet's nest. And and, and unfortunately I, I I've been around parents who who sometimes do that and maybe they're doing it in jest, not realizing that they're actually creating anger in their child. Or, or maybe sometimes they're they're doing it intentionally. We we were you know, we, we've all seen that before. We just think, oh, well, why, why would you say that to, to your child? Or why would you treat them in that way? Because all it's going to do is bring out uh, wrath and anger. And so uh, he, he particularly points this to fathers. And, and maybe as fathers, maybe we're, uh, I don't know, maybe more more prone to do it just by our nature. I'm not sure. But he narrows in on fathers, not mothers. And he says, dads. Make sure that you're not stirring up the kids to anger, to wrath, right? Um, He says, how are we then to do that? How are we then to love them? He says these two words, discipline and instruction. Discipline means correction, which cultivates virtue. I love that. Correction, which cultivates virtue. Um, uh, We, Like I said, we've been back in Birmingham now, I guess, a little over two weeks and uh, uh, when we came home, someone had, had put fresh flowers, um, some potted plants in our house. And it was so beautiful and so nice of them to do that. And, and I've been watering them and shaking the soil. And, and why? Because we, you know, you, you want to water it, we put it in the windowsill to get sunlight. Why? Well, we want to cultivate it to grow. And look what he says. This word discipline, it means correction, which cultivates virtue. Uh, what, what I want to grow in my children, what I want to see bloom in their life is virtue. Isn't that beautiful? Now, here's, here's what he says it takes. He says it takes correction. Isn't that interesting? Correction. In other words, maybe pruning. Uh, sometimes we have to cut back branches. Someone did that in our back garden for us. Whoever did that, thank you. Like We came back and our, our bushes had been pruned down to, to really small size and and, uh, and we know that means they're gonna grow all the more this spring. So whoever did that, thank you. And, uh, and he says, that's what discipline is. And, and sometimes pruning, I mean, maybe, maybe it hurts the bush. Uh, it hurts in the sense of maybe it doesn't feel good, uh, but it's for the benefit of the bush to grow, isn't it? And to be fruitful. And he says, discipline is correction, which might feel difficult and challenging to the child, but he says what it does is it helps virtue grow in the life of that child. And then instruction. He says instruction is to rebuke, to warn, to admonish. So listen to what he says. Fathers, do not rouse or stir up wrath in your children, but instead correct them to cultivate virtue and warn them and admonish them in the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Now, how, how can I do that? How can I not stir my child up? I don't want to do that. And how can I? Uh, how can I instruct them? How can I train them? How can I cultivate virtue? And um, how, how how do I do it without losing my patience or my temper? How do I do it without losing the desire? And and again, what's the key? The key is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I can do it. And particularly uh, the discipline instruction. Isn't it funny? He directs towards fathers about, don't stir up wrath, but then this idea of discipline instruction, he also instructs to dads. And, um, and, and so it, it's key that we're, uh, we're leading and pruning our children in a way that's cultivating virtue in them and that's honoring the Lord Jesus. Um, uh, one of my heroes in the faith is Susanna Wesley. Uh, Susanna Wesley was the mother of John and Charles Wesley. She had 19 children and an amazing woman of God. I'm just about to start a biography about her. And uh, this is something she said about this idea of discipline and instruction. Look at this, it's, it's an amazing quote. This is what she says 19 children, two of them, the founders of the Methodist Church. And this is what she says The parent who studies to subdue self will in his child works together with God in the renewing and saving of a soul. The parent who indulges it does the devil's work, makes religion impractical, salvation unattainable, and does all that in him lies to damn his child, soul and body forever. Uh, Susanna Wesley knew that sometimes discipline and instruction might feel harsh, but actually was an act of grace. An act of love. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're empowered to obey and honor our parents. We're empowered uh, to lovingly lead our children. And then, uh, very quickly, uh, number three, we see this when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm empowered to be a hardworking, obedient employee. When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm empowered to be a hardworking, obedient employee in verses five through eight, he uses these three key phrases. He says, obey with a sincere heart and with goodwill. Now, uh, why would this be written in this context of the home? Well, um, uh, in, in that culture, it's estimated that in the Roman Empire, which is when this was written, that the Roman Empire, there were around 90 million slaves, 90 million slaves, but very different from what we might think of when we think of, For example, like uh, the southern United States in in the 1800s. Very different from that. Um, uh, Slaves in the Roman Empire could be doctors. uh, They could be uh, accountants. They could be farmers. They could be house helpers. A whole host of different trades. And oftentimes, they would live in the home with the family. They were considered Part of the family, and so that's why Paul includes them in this section, the section to husbands and wives and parents and children. Uh, now he talks about servants, slaves, because they would be part of the family, and, and this is what he says. Um, he, he says that slaves uh, were to, to obey with a sincere heart and goodwill. Um, now again, we, we might have some questions, one might be, Well, well well, what does the Bible say about slavery? And, and we easily could do a whole sermon just on this section of, of the masters and, and the slaves. Uh, this much we know, um, the Bible does not um, condone it, um, but the Bible does regulate it. So in other words, the Bible says, if slavery exists, this is regulations for it. So in the Old Testament, um, when, when you read through like the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Numbers, it's very clear that, uh, that that God cared about slaves. Remember, the people of God were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years, and so God had a heart for slaves. And so he had rules, for example, if a slave escaped and came to a town in Israel, uh, he tells them they're, they're not allowed to return the slave to the slave land. And so the jewish people could not return a slave to a slave owner if a jewish person had a slave after seven years they had to release the slave and give the slave food clothing and cattle and send them on their way and so it becomes pretty clear that god's view of of slavery is radically different than than what that ancient culture knew of. When we get to the New Testament, um, we're gonna see that the gospel changes the dynamic of slavery. And and let me say, by the way, when we look at modern times, any any movement in the the West, any movement to eradicate slavery, um, anything like that has always been led by Christians. When when you look at the end of the slave trade uh, in the United Kingdom, it was led by men and women who loved Jesus and believed the gospel. When you look at the abolitionist movement in the United States in the mid 1800s, always led by men and women who loved Jesus, Uh, wherever there has been abolition, where there has been the setting free of slavery, the gospel has always been a part of it historically. So I think that that shows us the heart of God. So let's look at this then, not from the role of, of slave and master, But let's think of this in terms of employment. And so as an employee, if if you work, you know, wherever you work, if you have an employer, you have a boss, right? You're an employee. What type of employee are you to be? And look what he says here. We are to be an employee who obeys, which means what? Here here we are again. To continually listen, remember, and conform to instruction. Same word. We're to be uh, employees with a sincere heart. Look, we're honest not self-seeking, without hypocrisy, and finally, we're employees of goodwill, kindness and cheerfulness. Kindness and cheerfulness. Wherever you work, whoever you work for, this is the kind of employee God wants you to be. And here's the beautiful thing about it. He can empower you with his Holy Spirit to help you be the employee that he calls you to be. The employee calls me to be. You say, but Kenny, you, you don't know my boss. Well, I don't have to know your boss. The Lord knows your boss. And he can empower you with the Holy Spirit to be this kind of employee. Now, can you imagine a company filled with people like this? Can you imagine a company filled with, uh, with employees who are honest? Can you imagine a company, uh, a school, a business? Can you imagine a place filled with employees who are not self-seeking, who are without hypocrisy, Can you imagine working at a place where people chose kindness and cheerfulness over um, gossip and anger and meanness? (coughs) Excuse me. And he says, for you and I, that's the kind of employee that we are to be. We want to be the employee who only has words of kindness and cheerfulness. We want to be the kind of employee who doesn't Say one thing but do another. We don't want to be the kind of employee that works hard when uh, when our team leader, or our supervisor is watching, but when they leave the room, we slack off. We don't want to be the kind of employee who says, "Well, yeah, but you know what? I'll, I'll just I'll just take that pen home. I'll, I'll just I'll just nick that because you know that this company makes enough money already." No, no, no. no. But that's not who we're called to be. And and don't miss what he says here in verse seven, guys. He says, "Serve wholeheartedly." as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Do you know what, if, if you're a teacher, you're teaching for Jesus, not for your school. Do you know what, if, if you work for the NHS, you're, you're, you're caring for people, you're caring for Jesus. Do you know what, if, 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 you, if you work in construction, you're building for Jesus. He is the one we work for. He is the one we serve. And at the end of the day, one day when we stand before him in heaven, he's the one we want to hear say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Listen, we we, we may not get the accolades this side of heaven, but what better accolade is there than the Lord Jesus saying, job well done. You say, oh, but Kenny, where I work, it's so hard, it's so difficult. Hey, listen, I, I, I don't doubt it. Uh, But but here's what I know. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he can conform you and he can change you and he can empower you to be the employee that God's called you to be. Lastly, we see this. Number four, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, not only am I empowered to be a hardworking, obedient employee, but fourthly, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm empowered to be a kind, servant-hearted employer, a kind, servant-hearted employer. Maybe you're not an employer. Maybe you don't own your own company, but maybe you're a team leader. Maybe you're a supervisor. Maybe you're in a position of authority in your place of work. And can I say that that is, a, that is an opportunity for the gospel, isn't it? And look what he says here. He, he, he again uses three phrases. Uh, a sincere heart, goodwill, without threatening. Uh, essentially, look, see what he says. He says, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. In other words, he's saying, listen, you know what I expect of the employees? I expect the employees to obey and to have a sincere heart. You know what I expect of the employers and the team leaders and the supervisors? You know what I expect? I expect them to obey and have a sincere heart. And by the way, this is radical. This is radical because what he's saying is this. He's saying, I expect the master to treat the slave just as I expect the slave to treat the master. In other words, you love one another, you respect one another, you're honest with one another, you're not self-seeking, you're not hypocrite. And that would have been radical in this day to say that the master should treat the servant just as the servant. The the expectations were the same. And, And he adds one thing. To those of us in positions of, of maybe employer uh, kind of supervision he says without threatening and it means to to speak without harshness or abuse to speak without harshness or abuse um, well we, we want to be kind with our words and, and sometimes maybe when we're in a position of leadership of authority it's, it's easy to become frustrated with people we're leading maybe as a teacher it's really easy to become frustrated with our students you know, in, in the staff meeting at the hospital, it's easy to become frustrated with the other sisters. But but here's what we know: that when, when we speak with harshness and we speak with abuse, it kills our gospel witness, It kills it, it kills the relationship. And so he says here, he says, Those of us in positions of authority, we want to be honest, not self-seeking, not hypocritical, we want to be kind and cheerful. And we never want to speak with harshness or abuse. Why? Look what he says again: "Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites." Uh, there's there's a phrase as we as we conclude that comes up in every one of these passages, and it's either in the Lord or of the Lord. And so so uh, be be uh, the kind of parent you do it. In the Lord, you, as as a child, you do it. In the Lord, as as an employed employee, he says, serve the Lord. Um, and the idea is this: as we as we follow the leadership of our parents, as we uh, lead our children, as we work for our employer, and as we lead those in the workplace, we want to do it in the Lord, and we want to do it for the Lord. And the only way we can do it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're empowered to do these things. And remember what we've said multiple times. How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Remember, swap. Surrender to God's word and will. Wait on God in prayer. Avoid sin and unrighteousness. Pursue the promptings of the Holy Spirit. As we daily do those things, we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we can be the people that God's called us to be. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your word. Jesus, even even now, as as I just look at this this passage, I'm just overwhelmed with the sense that I can't do any of these things. I I can't be the son that I need to be. I can't be the dad that I need to be. Uh, I I can't uh, be the employee or the team leader that I need to be. And I desperately need Holy Spirit for you to fill me, to empower me, and to work in and through me. And so, uh, Lord, would you create in us a hunger and thirst for righteousness? Would you create a desire in us every day to be filled with your Holy Spirit that we would surrender to your word and will that? that we would wait on you in prayer, that we would uh, avoid sin and unrighteousness, and that we would pursue your promptings, Holy Spirit, daily, that we might be empowered to be the people you've called us to be. For your glory and for our good, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.